This podcast is part of the Deluxe Edition Network. To find other great shows on the network, head over to deluxeeditionnetwork.com. That's deluxeeditionnetwork.com. Oh, hey, Meg. Oh, hey, Matt. What's up? What's up? Little Yard Town podcast, episode 24. Can you believe it's been 24 already? That's a, that's 24 weeks. I'm digging into the books, visiting the occasional nursing home, and just getting to the bottom. Some crazy stuff that's happened in some really small town areas, and we're going to do something a little bit different today. It's either going to be really cool or really, really cool. I was going to say it stinks, but I mean, we, we can't, <laughs> can't get people all like, oh, this is going to be a stinky house. All right, so uh, what we'll do, let's do the quick introduction, and uh, we'll explain what we're going to do. Want to do the intro? Yes. Okay, you tell me when. No. We're back. We're back. And I know you've been sitting on the edge of your seat or your vehicle, and you're just ready to know what we're doing different. So we decided, you know, we wanted to give a little bit of a different take on it and just kind of see what you guys really enjoy. So we're going to take a book where we do find some inspiration and a couple of stories from Sherry L. Farnsworth, The Historic North Country Disasters. If you're watching this uh, on on any of the social medias, you can see the book cover right now. Go check it out. It's available. uh, I believe we may get this one at the St. Lawrence Bookstore. That is correct. So uh, it's a very good book. Very, 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 very interesting. Cool. And why I love it, obviously, there's a lot of history in the North Country, and this is kind of what this podcast is about. And we decided that we're just going to kind of read a chapter of it. Sherry, hopefully you're cool with this. Uh, but I mean, we're going to give lots of credit. Go buy it again, and we're just going to read one of the stories that she put in here and just kind of react to it because there's a lot of wild stories. And we want to give we want to give Zach a little bit of time to be able to prepare some stories because. Uh, you know, he, he's really into that. We're switching gears, so he's going to be writing. So we want to give him some time. So, Zach, buying you some time. And we're going to come back with a couple of cool episodes that, uh, that he's going to do here soon. So we decided right before we pressed record that we were going to do something about the Benson Mines, which is in Star Lake. Have you heard of the Benson Mines? I have, actually. Okay. And probably should have looked it up. And maybe while I'm reading, maybe you can uh, hit up the Googles and see if the Benson mine is still an active mine or if it is not an active mine. So I'm just curious and that'd be a cool little update. And this story here is chapter 15, again, of the historic North Country disasters by Sherry L. Farnsworth. And it's frightful comedy. Calamity? Calamity. 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 That's what I said the first time. And I wasn't confident. I was like, sitting there, I was like, calamity. There's no clams. And to be honest, I'm really weird. I'm Mike shy of saying certain words now because apparently I say Oregon and 98% of the country says Oregon. So sorry about that. But either way, uh, at the Benson Mines. And this, this story takes place in 1908. So just a couple of years ago. So uh, did you find anything or do you want to update in a little bit? Um, I'm just scanning through all right you scan through and i'm going to start off reading this chapter again thank you sherry farnsworth just before noon lunch hour on saturday august 15th 1908 a deadly blast at the benson mines iron ore company near star lake rocked the countryside and brought the mining community to its knees 
At the time, the mining company employed several hundred men, many of them foreigners, and was the largest employer in the immediate area in the only industry. And apparently the scene that unfolded, the aftermath of the explosion, was wild. They used a lot of bigger words, Sherry did, but uh, I don't want to pronounce them. I'm, I know Meg loves it when I pronounce words, or I'm going to try really hard to, <laughs> to only have the one that was in the title, so off to a great start. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Did you find anything, or I'm going to keep going? About the closing? Yeah, so it's not an active mine? It is mine? not an active mine. It closed, it looks like, in August 1978. Oh, so this went on for 70 more years after this uh, this story and this explosion. And more than 365 people lost their jobs because of this closing. Yikes. One for every day of the year. That's terrible. Which it's not a very big town, so. Not at all. And if anybody... It's a lot of people. Yeah, Star Lake, you know, obviously with the industry, the mines, logging and stuff like that, kind of down spiraling has really affected the community and uh, the school district and everything and uh, shout out wikipedia and shout out meg for that quick little history all right back to the frightful day at the mines four men mr king he was american oh this is a thumb harry bolger william dominic and s bonger all french canadian were preparing a 60 foot hole for blasting with dynamite and packing the explosives with a tampering rod, just as they had done many other times in different locations. But this time, a premature explosion occurred, killing four of them instantly. All of them gone. A fifth victim was buried alive beneath the rubble. Ugh, that is miserable. That is... I mean, I've had the pleasure of delivering to a certain mine in uh, months, uh, about a year or two ago. And just knowing that you're just underneath, thankfully, things have very much evolved in, in the mining industry. But there's still that slight chance where you're underneath there being buried alive. That is not something I ever hopefully go through or hopefully nobody else has to because that's got to be terrible. Ugh. Okay, so they're all passed away. Joseph King, uh, six man, was thrown into the pit. He suffered a head injury and shock resulting in temporary insanity, according to the Journal and Republican of August 20th, 1908. So there is an insert from there. And it's all written up and stuff. We're, we're just going to we're going to skip that part of it uh, from the newspaper. If you guys want to see it again, check out Historic North Country Disasters by Sherry L. Barnsworth. Then there, uh, the next part of that is the Ogdensburg Daily Journal on the 17th, 1908. Also, it went through, interviewed some people that uh, were actually camping nearby Star Lake when the explosion occurred. And they kind of went through there. And uh, like I said, we do you want to read want to read the, the journal insert? Or you just want to skip it? Let's skip it. it. If you guys want to, again, check this out. Um, just kind of a, a decent thing. Shout out Lou N. Wood, Alexis Schlachter, Frank Hayes, and Francis Shane. So all of Syracuse had been camping at Star Lake. All right. <laughs> so other workmen were injured, but not seriously. And physicians who arrived on the scene were able to tend to them easily. Quickly, the news of the explosion and the deaths of several miners reached the village where the families of the workmen lived. Then all hell broke loose. The Journal and the Republican wrote some there. Then the Watertown Reunion also described this scene uh, in, in an article. And I feel like we can, um, let's at least give that description so we can paint the picture on what the scene, according to the Watertown Reunion said, mm -hmm. said, as soon as the rock from the blast had fallen, a wild rush to the place was made. Women fought with each other in an effort 
to ascertain any information about the safety of their husbands. When fragments of clothing or the mutilated parts of the bodies were identified, scenes of the wildest disorder and unrestrained grief and emotion prevailed. Hmm. Unbelievable. I guess it's that old saying, you know, like a word travels quickly. That is exactly the definition of that. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, in those times, obviously, technology not nearly what it is today so there are some really cool historical pictures that i highly highly recommend when you pick up the book you look at and uh just kind of a cool thing i'm gonna show meg she hasn't she hasn't really seen them yet you know what i mean you just have the mines the miners uh some pictures obviously probably before and after and Distraught onlookers yeah just like well, with the rope behind and just kind of you know in this picture you have disgruntled sure. men women children just clearly upset just praying and hoping for the best so I'm assuming family members. Yeah. So frenzied were emotions at the scene that it was thought at one point that an all-out riot would actually ensue. The Norwood News, August 18th, 1908, said the victims' wives, their crazed wives are uncontrollable. The more composed people of the community are unable to pacify the women. Then uh, the Journal and Republican described a tense scene that was ripe for trouble. At one time, what almost appeared to be a riot was averted when the foreigners, in their unrestrained grief and emotion over the death of their countrymen, threatened violence. And at one time, a more conservative element feared an outbreak of lawlessness in the afternoon. The scenes enacted around the place of the explosion were very heart-trending and pitiful. The foreign element were finally quieted largely through the efforts of a French priest. Eventually, as one stage of grief progressed to the next some order was brought to the scene of the disaster the journal and republican said the intense excitement and frenzy among the foreign element had subsided to a degree and people were almost um, prostrate i thought this a prostate which wouldn't have made any sense <laughs> in their grief the reverend father bergeron conducted a joint funeral service the next morning at saint hubert's church the men were then laid to rest in the benson mine cemetery by that time commerce has prevailed and there was just kind of some acceptance of their losses. Hey, this is Casey Shearer. And this is Ray. Do you like pop culture? We're pretty sure you do. Then come on over and check us out at deluxeedition.show. You will not be sorry. Or maybe you will be. I don't know. And everything just kind of began to set in. Of the thousand people who attended the funeral, 300 had to remain actually outside of the church. And there's a report from the Watertown reunion. The wives of the miners attended with their children and friends. Quiet and orderliness orderliness has reigned in the Satin village since the accident at the mines. The first wild outburst in grief and frenzy having subsided. After the explosion, the bodies were taken to the priest's house and from there to the church. Work will be resumed at the mines within a few days. A few days. They're back in business. Wow. That is unbelievable. I couldn't imagine the, just the scene, the, and it's something that these guys. Well, it's such a traumatic event too. You gotta, you have to assume that they're all Small town friends. Yep. I mean, so just to paint a picture of Star Lake, which we we do in a lot of episodes, and according to Wikipedia, 
the total area of Star Lake is 4.34 square miles of land, 0.42 square miles of water. Um, the population as of 2020 is only 630 people. Density 145.46 square miles. And again, it's in uh, it's in the lovely state of New York. It is in St. Lawrence County. And uh, is that the current? Star like uh, the, the 2020 census, so okay. a couple years old. I, I seems like they all have these censuses, but uh, just uh, yeah. I mean, I, I've had the pleasure of being up there. It's not too far where from you know from where you are, and I mean the Adirondack Park Route Three. It's about 15 minutes from from there. From yeah. Where I yeah. And it was actually Star Lake was actually listed on the National Register of Historic Places in 2012. That's pretty cool. When did uh, when did this town start? I'm wondering. Usually they say. Um, so it did go from in, in 2000 there was 860 people, and then down to within 20 years down to 630. Hmm. Hmm. And uh, of then you know 363 households, 26 percent of them actually had children under the age of 18 living with them. 50 percent were married couples living together. 10 percent had had uh, were single women. 10 percent. There you go, fellas. Did it say when, uh, in the reading, when the mines opened? It did not. So I have that information. Oh, let's hear it. It was discovered in 1810 and opened in 1890 and then closed in 1978. So it was open for a long time. Yeah, 1800s. I bet you, and not trying and to... And it was iron ore. Oh. Um, yeah. And the iron... From the Benson mines was used in a steel production for Chrysler vehicles. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's cool. Then I also found um, that with the closing of the mines, they had um, more than 365 people lost their jobs. And that sharply uh, declined the economy in that area. So the number of students enrolled in local schools dropped from 1,400 in 1978 to 625 in the following year. So that's just a one-year Oh, say that again. 1,400 students enrolled to to 625 in one year difference. I mean, obviously. That's that's the toll that this mine closing had on this, this town. Wow. So that kind of puts in perspective how many jobs yeah, it says, were uh, keeping, how, how many people worked in the mine, and that was the community. Yes, it, it said it employed hundreds of workers and supported over 1,900 people near the end of its operations. Mm-hmm. And the mine also paid over $400,000 each year in taxes, which helped to maintain the local infrastructure and services. I mean, that's, that's then in the 70s. I mean, you're probably talking easy, a million dollars. That could be pumped back into that community that's mm-hmm. just gone. Man, that is that is terrible. And Star Lake is unfortunately a place that is uh, beautiful as it is. It's a great place to you know potentially camp if you like the outdoors and stuff like that. It's a great place, but it's as far extremely as extremely scenic area, beautiful, just absolutely beautiful. But there is there is really nothing up there anymore that you can that at least I can think of. No, you kind of have to drive through. And keep going to get to anything. Go up into like Cranberry Placid. 
through that way. Man, tough, tough to be up there. But mm-hmm. uh, we always throw in a quote. So uh, I'm going to pull a quote here from um, from Catherine Susanna Pritchard. The mining industry might make wealth and power for a few men and women, but the many would always be smashed and battered beneath its giant treads. Which I think that's pretty powerful. So thank mm-hmm. you not only to Catherine, thank you to Wikipedia, and big shout out to Sherry L. Farnsworth. If you guys you know have the means and can get over to uh, the St. Lawrence Bookstore, that's pretty cool as well. And uh, I'm sure that, I wonder if there's a place you can buy it online. I'm going to look real quick. And if there is, we'll let you know. It appears that it is on Amazon as well. Historic North Country Disasters. It's located on Amazon. So if you don't feel like getting out to the bookstore, check it out. They have it in paperback and you could also do it in Kindle as well. So I did find one more really cool bit of information. Oh, let's hear about it. If you don't mind me sneaking it in. Sneak it all in. Um, in the 1950s, this mine, this particular mine, was considered the largest open pit iron ore mine in the world. In the world? Mm-hmm. From this small little town. And it was discovered by engineers mm-hmm. in 1810 who were conducting a survey mm-hmm. for a military road to be put in. Really? Front that went from Albany to Augensburg. And their compasses started spinning. The needle started spinning mm-hmm. due to the magnetic um, ore. Wow. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. So it's just by chance they found it and it became one of the largest open pit iron ores mines. That is wild. That is a cool story. Hmm. Interesting. Such a small town. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> I would have never thought. This is uh, this is this is fun. Obviously, you're seeing and hearing our real reactions to finding out, you know, it, uh, a town that was 15 minutes from where she grew up, you know, and not uh, what an hour or so, hour and 15 minutes from where I live, and just some of the wild past. And this is what we really want to bring to you on your town, you know, your town, your story. So if you have a story, please hit us up on Instagram, shoot us an email, whatever it is. Just go to yourtown.com. There's all sorts of links to everything that you need. We'd love to, you know, just give us a topic and we'll do the research by we. Zach is going to do the research. We'll make sure to forward it over to him. And Shout uh, out, Zach. Shout out, Zach. He's going to do the research. But we'll, um, yeah, just let us know what you'd love to hear. We would really, really love to, you know, dig deep into your town, your community. And that's what it's all about. And that's fun. I appreciate it. So we're going to we're gonna let you guys go. That's all I got. You got anything else? I have nothing else. All right. That was fun. Interesting article. That was, that was good. Thank you. Thank you to uh, you, the listeners, Sherry L. Farnsworth. And, Wikipedia. Uh, Wikipedia. That's all we got. All right. See you next time for episode 25. Take care, everybody. Bye.